You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Littman. I'm joined, as always, with Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. This is, uh, we're really doing it. First question is to Emily. Emily, how are you doing? How's your day going? It's good. Um, that was weird to hear you say Emily Cannell. Right? But I agree. I'm not used to it yet. I'm getting there. And when I say it, in my head, I always I made my maiden name my middle name. So I say like Emily Anderson Cannell in my head. And so it doesn't sound as weird because I still have the Emily Anderson together. Right. But when you just say first and last, it's like weird. Um, but I'll get used to it. I have a lifetime of being a Cannell. So I'll get used to it. <laughs> um, let me ask you, logistically, mm-hmm. did you not have a middle name before that? Or did you replace the middle name? Or did you add it to the existing middle name? I replaced the middle name. I had a middle name and I replaced it. My mom was not pleased. <laughs> well, she's fine with it, but she, I think she like me and my mom had the same middle name. So I, we, it was like mm. a thing and now we don't. Now we just need to get her to change her middle name to Anderson so that you <laughs> once again sync up. She can be Susan Anderson Anderson. And be now great. we're talking. <laughs> <Double the trouble. laughs> That's perfect. That's good. Danny, how are you, pal? Oh, I'm good. I've been tired lately, but not for any reason. No? Are you staying up late watching cartoons? No, never. I can't even stay up late because I'm tired. You used to yell at me when the Sixers could trade for James Harden. You would yell at me for how early I was going to bed, and now you're going to bed. Yeah, because it'd be like 10 o'clock, and, you know, basketball rehabs got some stuff that I'm going to believe. Dan, I will not go into this with you. Um, yeah, no, I would, really, I would really be out of commission pretty early there. Um, and I will say, next uh, next weekend, I'm going to a bachelor party, and it's going to be a nightmare. And I am coming back on Sunday. We have a special guest that Sunday. I'm gonna, it's going to be a real thirty percent of Steve Lipman podcast. So I'm going to need you guys to carry me. Speaking of carrying drunk. me, I like when you're drunk on podcasts. Mm, Those are my favorite. You know, everyone we're in on a while, the Twitter. What's that? Or on the Twitter. Oh, that's always fun. I, that's really fun. I do these polls that people just despise. I really have a fun time <laughs> doing the polls on Twitter. Um, all right. Sixers played the Clippers on Friday night. Friday night. Right. And uh, they won. They had There were a number of people out, of course. Pat Beverly was out. Serge Ibaka and Kawhi Leonard were out. The Sixers were missing uh, Seth Curry. 
uh, Tobias Harris and Dwight Howard. Um, and it was, I, you know, so I thought that sort of was a wash in terms of like one team wasn't way outweighing the other in terms of important players playing. Um, but I thought it was a really nice win for the Sixers. They got out to a giant lead in the first quarter that, of course, wasn't going to stick around for long. Uh, Maz got the start. And I, have we even talked about him once on this podcast? I don't – I feel yeah. like – Have we? Well, you asked me who was the best player in the Celtics game besides Joel. I said Furkan. Oh, that's true. No, that's I said true. Danny Green. That was the Danny Green game. That wasn't the Furkan game. I take it back. Oh. Okay. Um, but Korkmaz has been great and, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit more about him, but overall the Sixers pull out this win. Joel had 35 again, which was, I think his fourth or fifth time in a row with 35 points or more. Um, what did you take away from the Clippers game and, uh, what'd you think of it, Dan? Yeah. I mean, they blew a lead again, but I don't really care because I mean, it's two straight wins over good teams. People were out, people were out again. It was kind of annoying. I mean, that would have been such a fun stretch if both teams had everyone healthy for both those games. But that's just kind of the story of this year. It's not the Sixers' fault that, you know, other teams have guys out. So a win's a win. The Sixers are right now a game up on Brooklyn and have the tiebreaker. So, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, And they, I believe last night, I think Milwaukee lost on Saturday night. Um, so another four games up on Milwaukee uh, who are in third. Emily, the Clippers game, what'd you think? Yeah, I same with Dan. I'm not like worried about them blowing the lead at the end because they won the game still. And that's something that they wouldn't have. I honestly like last year, they would have blown the lead and they would have lost the game. Mm-hmm. They, it, they would not have kept fighting. It would have just been like a throw it to the win. And then we would have been pissed online afterwards. Or they would have um, been down exactly eight the entire game. Yeah, that's another <laughs> one. That was the worst. Yeah. I mean, I preferred when they were up 20 to three. That was the most fun that I was having during that game. But um, yeah, I'll take the win. And like I said, I'm never picking the Sixers to lose again. I'm done. Yeah. Sixers yeah. wins from here on out. That was great. Um, one thing I love every single time it happens, it usually Joel does it, but it's when a Sixer, something will happen like a momentum sort of play and a Sixer will put their arms up to the crowd and tell them to cheer more. That. I, I think is the coolest thing in the fucking world. And Ben Simmons did it. Now, Ben is not normally somebody to do that, but Ben had a pretty incredible, like, athletic block um, as he blocked Patrick Patterson's three, uh, and he, like, went into the crowd and put his arms up and, like, appealed to I just eat that shit up. I love it. I thought that was so cool. Um, the uh, other things that happened, Corkwaz was great. Now, Corkwaz has been really great lately, and for me, when I was like projecting the Sixers like nine man rotation in the playoffs, he was probably going to be out of it. You know, I figured he might get like 10 minutes here or there, but he's played really well. He doesn't seem like a liability on defense as much oh, anymore. Yeah. yeah. He's been like really good. And like, really good. Yeah. He's gotten a lot of steals. So if we think that um, Sixers are going to make the playoffs, which we do, um, how do we think the rotation think make it, Yes. Yeah, how, how is the rotation going to pan out now? Like, there because now there are 10 guys who you could definitely see playing, but 10 guys aren't going to play, like, heavy minutes. So the five off the bench would basically be George Hill, apparently, still a sixer and might play this week, and we might all be Canals by the end of the week. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I hope so, too. Uh, hopefully, Jordy will welcome us with open arms to his family. <laughs> um, uh, we have uh, 
George Hill, Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, Matisse Thibel, Dwight Howard. Uh, let's say Mike that- Scott. Mike Scott. Mike Scott, of Let's say that like three of those guys are going to play heavy bench minutes. Who would you think that would be? And then who are the two that sort of come in for, you know, gadget minutes at the end of quarters and stuff like that? Emily, what do you think? I don't, that's hard. I don't, because I would, on like skill wise, I would kind of want to say Dwight as like the gadget minutes, but we don't have another like backup center. And I mean, Joel will be playing most of those minutes, but because like Matisse, Maybe like Matisse and Dwight. Matisse is just so valuable on defense. I think it depends what we need that game. Do we need defense? Do we need someone who's going to shoot threes? And maybe that flip-flops between like Matisse and Furkan, who's like picking those minutes up. Um, but I think like Shake and, and uh, George Hill are like the two that are going to be get the bulk of the minutes. And then it kind of floats between the other ones. Yeah, to, I'm, the way I'm thinking about it is that part of it is going to depend on how Shake and Hill play together. I think Hill is a lock. Hill, Hill's definitely going to play, and I think he's probably going to close some games. Um, I don't know. You know, Shake has sort of been up and down a little bit lately, um, but he's had some big moments. He had a huge three against L.A. Um, we'll see. You know, Dwight is only going to play when Joel sits, which is probably like at, at most 15 minutes, you know, the Sixers are, have a big lead or, or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. My instinct is maybe it's shake and Dwight. I, I don't know. Dan, what do you think? I mean, so the, you're saying the three who are like going to be regulars, I think it would be George Hill, Matisse Stiebel and Dwight. And uh -huh. I think that you might see shake not getting as many minutes as we've seen him get when Hill comes in, just Hill can, they're, they're fairly similar, and I think Hill's going to be, you know, can play on the ball, but is probably going to be stronger off the ball at this point in his career. Um, and, you know, I haven't, you know, gotten to see much of Hill this year. He didn't play much. He was on a horrible team, and he's been hurt. But, um, you know, Shake has been a little iffy lately, and I think Doc is going to go with the vet, the guy they just, you know, got to play these minutes. I still think Shake gets some time. I like Shake a lot. Um, and then, you know, Furkan's been great. I, I think he'll probably get on the court at some points in the playoffs in meaningful minutes, but I'm not, you know, I wouldn't make the prediction that he would be like a, a full, you know, every game playing at like 15 minutes a game, part of the rotation. And a home game. Spurcon will get in more in home mm. games. He's much better at home. He's great at home. Um, you know, the good part about it is that it does seem like the Sixers have options in terms of their bench players. And, you know, Thibel is such a unique player. I feel like he's played offense a lot better since his like he had an awful start to the year where he was basically not participating um but I think lately especially since the all-star break he's shot the ball fine and you know he's sort of had some straight line drive drives that uh have been helpful so uh yeah I don't, I don't think he's really a liability out there I think he's just like an extremely low usage guy who uh isn't going to be counted on very much um, Joel, you know, we, we've obviously talked about him a lot, but he dominated again. He, he just looks unguardable and, you know, Doc is putting him around the foul line when teams are doubling a lot, which is great because he can see the whole floor and, uh, be more of a sort of triple threat from there. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about Joel in the low post, but the other thing from the Clippers game is that Anthony Tolliver came out there. Tobias sat during this game. Doc said before, 
If Tobias is playing, I don't know how the hell I can get Anthony Tolliver on the court. Well, Tobias was off. So Anthony Tolliver came in. He blocked Paul George at the rim and he hit the backboard on a few three point attempts. I, I enjoyed it. Um, Emily, do you think we could get Anthony Tolliver on the podcast if he gets another 10 day? Yeah, let's try. Hey, let's get him on. Yeah. Worth a shot. Worth a shot. To connect to the fans. I say we do it. Definitely. Um, we got Paul Reed. He's on a three-year contract. We can get Anthony Collins. Come on. Um, yeah, Dan, did you have anything on the sort of a backup big rotation there from the from the Clippers game? You mean in terms of with the whiteout? Yeah, yeah, and how they're how they're basically deciding to guard teams without Dwight. I mean, I'm just so frustrated that you no know, Tobias meant Mike Scott starting first of all. And, like, then no Dwight probably meant even more Mike Scott minutes. Like, I agree with – you made this point earlier, but, like, I don't think Doc, like, thinks that Mike Scott has been as bad as everyone else thinks he's been. He um, yeah. It's really hard to watch often. Like, he's yeah. just – like, there was a – I remember there was one play where, where he um, – like, he was fine. I know he – I think he – you know, there was a pass coming in from up top, the guy cutting back door – like behind a screen and Mike Scott was like trying to get over the top, but the guy went back door and he was, Mike Scott was so far away from getting to the ball. There was a wide open layup. Um, and I think it might've been a foul on Joel because of that on that play as well. Um, and it's just like, he can't, he can't be in. Like he doesn't defend. He doesn't give you anything on offense. He's not a great rebounder. Like, it, it's frustrating, but that's my main takeaway with the whiteout and especially Tobias out, I guess, I guess is that we ended up seeing a lot of Mike Scott, but we did get to see Paul Reed. So that was fun. Man, Paul got in there for a few minutes. He just a few minutes yeah, in the first either quarter or half. And and I just love seeing him out there. Um, we'll see. I'll be very interested to see when the Sixers have all of their players, like George Hill is back and then everybody else is healthy. Does Mike Scott survive those that, you know, like the, the advent of the entire team? I don't know. Emily, he can't. He can't. He can't. You would think so, but he, he seems to be a big part of the rotation at this point. Yeah, like um, we have him out of the playoff rotation, and Doc is like, I'm gonna start this guy. Yeah, <laughs> Doc's doing the math in his head, and he's like, All right, well, it's Scott, and then George Hill, and like Scott is one of his cemented players in there. Well, oh, no, we'll see. Um, Sixers were all over uh, the media this week as uh, awesome. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are campaigning for their awards. Uh, Utah Jazz fans are not happy. Uh, Joel Rachel went Nichols. on Rachel Nichols, friend of the podcast, eat her on the pod because <laughs> she's fighting the good fight. Um, Joel <laughs> went on the low post with Zach Lowe. Uh, Simmons talked to actual friend of the pod, Tyler Tynes, uh, who's now with GQ. Um, you know, Joel, of course, was talking about you know his evolution this year and how he thinks he should be the MVP and you know, his commitment to the defensive end, he said, I should be the defensive player of the year. And then Zach was like, what about Ben? And Joel was like, no, I mean, Ben, Ben should be the defensive player of the year. Um, and Joel even backed that up after the game. He said, Ben should be the defensive player of the year, which I love. Uh, Simmons had, a, you know, Tyler's so funny. The, the questions that Tyler was asking Ben are really great. And he was sort of going back at him with, you know, Kyrie scoring 37. And so what did you guys take away from, from those two interviews? And, uh, you know, what do you, where do you think their chances stand today on those awards? Emily. Um, well, you know where I stand with Joel and MVP. I am firmly 
Rachel Nichols is vice lieutenant on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, The interviews were just so fun. Joelle is always so endearing and fun to listen to talk, even just like, just the way he talks, the way he's like very open. Like Zach even asked him about like the piece in part of the, of your own's book where he, would they called him difficult and like basically Joel's going to get us all fired. And Joel didn't really like shy away from the question. He was like, yeah, they were asking me to do things I didn't want to do. And I was right because I needed another surgery. Like, um, I loved his story about being uh, like a cartoon with the flames coming out of his head when he found out he didn't make an all NBA team while his girlfriend was giving birth to his son. Um, he, I, he was just great. I give him the MVP. It's all I want yeah. in life. Yeah. Uh, he uh, also, the other thing from that interview is Joel talking about being a father and talking about like, you know, just spending quality time with his son and having real conversations eventually and uh, all of this kind of stuff, which is, uh, incredibly endearing. Dan, uh, from those two interviews, big takeaways, what do you got? My big one from the Joel one was when he talked about like the difference between this year and last year and how last year he would come in and like, you know, they're having say it's like a workout or something. He's like, I hope this goes fast. I hope I can be done soon because he was really just not enjoying himself. It's kind of obvious watching him yeah. play that he was not having as much fun as he used to. Um, but, you know, he's talked about how that's different this year. I'm really happy that it is. And, and it's clearly, you know, shown in his play. Um, and he was saying, you know, I've always loved basketball. This was like weird that I was not having fun. You know, usually right. that's the norm that I, I'm just having fun. Um, the Ben interview was really good. I thought Tyler uh, did a good job. One thing that I thought was really funny, this is kind of dumb, um, but this is a takeaway I have. Um, you know, they asked, he was asking Ben about like criticism he gets. And one of the things was like the Wizards announcer saying he's the most overrated player in the NBA. <laughs> And Ben starts talking about like knowing the game. He said, the thing with people is that they think they know something so well. And this guy, he knows, uh, and this guy thinks he knows basketball so well. And that may be because he watches the games, but does he really know the game? Did he grow up playing the game? Has he been in different situations? Has he run the point guard position? Has he played at this level? Like everybody wants to feel like they know the game and that's just not the case. Draymond, Draymond Green says it all the time. That's not the case. Not everybody knows everything about something or as much as they think they know. So I think that's a fair point Ben's making, right? Like, obviously, Ben knows a million times more about basketball than I do, if not more than that. I don't know how you could quantify that, but infinitely more than I do, more than any of us do, more than anyone we know does, because um, Ben is an NBA player who has NBA coaches and has played his whole life and, and plays with the best players in the world. Then, later in the interview, he's talking about his defensive player of the year case, and um, then, um, you know, Tyler shoots back. Didn't Kyrie have 37 last night, though? And Ben says, yeah, but we won. His plus minus was his negative, too. So he starts he becomes immediately a box score watcher when he's making his case instead of, like, everything he's just talking about, how he knows the game, which I think is really funny. And it's definitely something that we would do, which I found kind of fun. Um, I have to say, we mentioned on Locker Room that Ben is like our dads. And that is another example yes. of, like, there's only one ball. You got to play D. And also, <laughs> 37 empty points. We won the game. You know, like I just love it. I, I think that that's great. I don't think that you need to have played in the NBA to know about basketball. Um, not that we do, but just other people right, yeah. who haven't played in the have, haven't played in the league. Um, you know, so they, they you know Ben has his case about playing def- being defense player of the year. I I feel like Ben has real momentum here. 
I think that, you know, this stretch, which is looking a little bit different now because of uh, the Sixers have won three games, but they've been, except for Dallas, the other teams have been fairly shorthanded and even, even Dallas is without Porzingis. Um, we'll see. I think Simmons has like a legit, probably as good a shot as I, I'm sure the odds don't say that, but uh, probably as good a shot as Gobert does to win defensive player of the year. Joel, I just would love it. You know, I, I really don't think he can miss another game this year. And they have a, they have a back-to-back coming up this week that I don't know if they're going to play him win, but it's probably two difficult games that would both be heavy minutes. Um, you know, it seems like there are people on different sides of it, but you know, uh, Tim Bontemps, did this poll uh, of, of like potential uh, voters and it was very much in Jokic's favor. So uh, I don't know. I think it would take a lot from Joel down the stretch, just, you know, continuing these performances, which he's certainly capable of, but even then it might just be like, people might just have him disqualified. And I just, I don't agree with that. Like, I feel like who did you think had the better season? And if the answer is Embiid, but Embiid missed more games, then the MVP is you. I, that feel, I mean, I don't he think still that's almost won as many games as Jokic in the games he's played. Right. I, like, I don't think that that's Jokic's only case. I think he's been incredible. And I think there's a very merit-based case to, to give him. But right. when it's like Joel loses on a technicality, it, it reminds me of when they were trying to take the rookie of the year away from Ben because he was injured the prior year. Like, I just feel like, you know, make the case for Jokic, but, but don't make it about the games you all miss because, you know, this is a strange year where there's a lot going on and uh, Joel will have played 75% of the games. And I think that's a large enough sample size. Uh, Emily, what do you think? Have, have things changed lately with their performances in, in terms of these awards? I don't know that things have changed in terms of their performances. I just think that these awards are so like, sorry, if you can hear that siren. Um, Emily's being they're so like, Yeah, they're at my It'd house. be so funny to see on the, like, on the Zoom. What? <laughs> it'd be oh, kind of funny if someone, yeah, it'd be so surprising. <laughs> that would be surprising. Um, but in terms of MVP, because they're so narrative-based, like, the, honestly, the thing that I think would help, yeah, not missing any games would help Joel's case probably the most. But I think the second thing would be what Rachel Nichols said, like kind of catching on in the media of the fact yeah. that it's a, she was like kind of like fired up about people focusing on, it's like a 50 second clip. It's all over Twitter um, about people focusing on the offensive award. And she's saying, I'm not taking anything away from Jokic, but it's a two-way game. And like, can we look at both sides of the ball for once? Because everyone just focuses on these offensive numbers. And like Joel has been so dominant on both sides that I think that that, if that narrative kind of catches on, I think that is helpful and for Joel. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, we are now being joined by an extremely special guest. Uh, Brad Rutter's joining the podcast. Dan, I'll have you take it away here and uh, get us all set up. Well, first of all, hey, Brad, how are you? Good. How are you doing? 
Doing good. All right, so we are joined by Brad Rodder. He is a Jeopardy champion. He is host of The Chase on NBC, or I'm sorry, on ABC. Um, and Brad, uh, we, can, we can change. Steve, you're good with this stuff, right? Yo, big time. I'm just kidding. We don't edit these. It's too hard. Um, <laughs> so, Brad, my first question is, you know, you were in the Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament. I think that was in January of 2020, I want to say. Um, yes, and, seems like 10 years ago, but it was really just over a year. <laughs> yeah, that's pre-COVID, which is which is crazy. That doesn't even feel that long ago to me. It probably does to you. Um, but to me, that doesn't feel that long ago. But I one thing I remember from that tournament is one of your final Jeopardy answers was Eagles Super Bowl 52 champs, and you wagered $4,133 or 4133 the final score of the Super Bowl. So I have to know, did you come in and you were like, I have to get this in? Everyone's watching this this Jeopardy tournament, and I and I need to get the Eagles Super Bowl in here. Or did you just think of it on the fly? Uh, it's sort of a hybrid of both of them. Uh, I kind of always had it in the back of my head that I wanted to shout out uh, the Eagles Super Bowl championship some way. If I ended up in a situation where the uh, final Jeopardy response wouldn't matter, so uh, I I honestly had hoped it had been the, it would be the other way where I was so far ahead that I could bet I right. could lose forty one thirty three and still win. But uh, you know, at least I got that in. That's pretty great. You know, you're you're obviously from the Philadelphia area, and you know we talk about the Sixers a lot here. How much have you been able to keep up with the Sixers? I believe you're based in LA now. Like, have you been able to keep up with them this year? Yeah, um, I, I I have to admit I'm uh, I'm kind of a half-assed Sixers fan, so I kind of just follow the standings, and uh, I don't uh, necessarily watch all the games. But okay. uh, especially out here in uh, in Lakers and Clippers country, um, you know the Sixers being at the top of the Eastern Conference, you know people are uh, talking a lot about who they might match up with in the finals. So that's been exciting. Oh yeah, that's great. What do they say out on the West Coast about the Sixers? We're like stuck in Philly land, so we hear about what we say about them. What are they saying out there? Well, it's mostly like, well, you know, it'll be the like the the Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference will be the real finals. And then uh, I guess maybe <laughs> the, whoever comes out of the East might be OK. Uh, but it's like, is it, is it going to be Brooklyn? Is it going to be the Sixers? Uh, you know, <laughs> wow. Hollywood yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Dan mentioned earlier um, that you were part of the greatest of all time tournament. We were just wondering what was that playing in that tournament like with all these Jeopardy greats? Uh, well, I had played Ken before, so that was uh, sort of old hat for me. But, uh, you know, watching James over the previous, you know, year and a half, uh, you know, I knew he was really good, too. So uh, I knew it was going to be interesting. Um, yeah, but it was all, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I, honestly, the best part of it was that, uh, you know, Alex got to host it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I had I honestly didn't know whether I was ever going to um, play Jeopardy with Alex again. And it was fantastic to get that opportunity. Could you talk a little bit about Alex Trebek? Um, you know, obviously, you got to know him personally. And, you know, we've heard such great things about him. He passed away recently. And, you know, he was definitely for me growing up. We always watched Jeopardy, so he was, you know, a part of my life. But but as a, as a person and being like actually a part of, of your life, could you tell us a little bit about him? 
Well, they don't make him like him anymore. You know, he's just that old school professional uh, broadcaster. And he really was the guy that came across on TV, you know, very intellectually curious and, uh, you know, held himself to a really high standard and uh, really funny, too. Like, yeah, that's one thing you, you didn't get to see as much of on TV. But uh, in the commercial breaks, he'd be like doing little dances and doing accents and stuff like that. And he had a really dry <laughs> sense of humor. So uh, it was always a, it was always a fun time to be around him. And he, he used to like to uh, burn my chops a bit uh, <laughs> uh, when we were uh, when we were taping, which was always fun. Uh, and uh, you could tell he did it with uh, with affection and with a twinkle in his eye. Uh, but yeah, he, he was the best and, uh, you know, uh, we'll never see his like again. Yeah. Um, first Brad in, uh, in, in sports, there are all these sorts of unwritten rules that, that players sort of abide by and there are faux pas that, that sort of amateurs or rookies make. Is there something like that in jeopardy where there's a rookie on the scene and they're like, you know, buzzing in too early for a $100 question and you're like, look at this fucking idiot. Like, is there stuff like that? Uh, well, buzzing in too early is probably everybody does that at first. You know, that's one of the things that uh, that's one of the reasons the returning champion has a big advantage is because that buzzer timing is so crucial that they've had the experience with it. And the two people who are uh, who are the who are the challengers are showing up for the first time. And if they don't get it within their first game, they're going to have some trouble. But the thing that always um that always makes me tear my hair out is uh, say somebody's, you know, uh, $10,000 behind in double jeopardy and um, they, and uh, they hit the second daily double uh, with, uh, the, you know, with three clues left. And mm -hmm. uh, if they, if they bet at all, they can get right back in the game and have a great chance to win, but they're just like, Oh, uh, I'll bet 2000. <laughs> yeah. That, no. that annoys me watching. So I have to <laughs> Yeah, you got to play to win the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So we know that there's no one that could replace Alex, but we saw Ken recently got the chance to, Ken Jennings got the chance to guest host. Um, Is that something that would ever interest you? Uh, sure. Yeah. If uh, they know where to find me, if they want me, I thought, tech, I thought Ken did a good job. Uh, I've been enjoying Aaron Rodgers too, just because uh, that's a, a a unique thing where people can troll him about the Packers, like on national television, which is uh, really funny. <laughs> um, yeah. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, who's getting the chance or gotten the chance to, to host the show. Are there any Philadelphia athletes that you'd like to see get a stab at hosting Jeopardy? You know, I actually, uh, back when uh, Bo, Bo Wolf uh, was with the Eagles, he's with the Athletic now, but he used to host a little, um, a little trivia contest with Evan Mathis, uh, who, uh, um, and I actually ended up doing one of those uh, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I thought he, uh, he, he came off really well. So he's the first guy who pops to mind. That's great. Cool. Um, I also saw you, this was during COVID, uh, you were on the celebrity version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, um, and you were the like in-person lifeline for uh, Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek. Um, and I had to ask you, how did being on Millionaire compare to being on Jeopardy? They're obviously both like trivia-based, but you know different setups. But you know, is it like different pressure with different strategy? How did you how did you go about that? 
there was I, I felt a lot more pressure on Millionaire uh, just because, A, I wanted to make Catherine look good. And B, you know, uh, it's when I'm on Jeopardy, I'm just playing for myself. You know, if I right. screw up, there's nobody to blame but me. But, uh, you know, Catherine's playing for charity. And, uh, you know, she's coming to me expecting me to have the answer on Millionaire. And, you know, yeah. on Jeopardy, you have 61 clues. So if you know most of them, you're probably going to do OK. But with Millionaire, it's just that one question at a time. And if it happens to be something you never heard of, then, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I have no idea. So yeah. I, I, there was actually a lot more pressure, I thought, I think, being Catherine's lifeline than uh, playing Jeopardy myself. Do you prepare similarly? Because, like, obviously, you know, there's trivia, I guess, you know, there's there's different focuses. Like, I, like, I don't how did you how did you go about that? Did you do something different than, than what you've already done to prep for Jeopardy? Uh, not uh, not for millionaire, especially because, you know, the questions are so specific. And, you know, like I said, with Jeopardy, there's it's going to be a bunch of questions over a wide range of subjects. And, uh, you know, I I play a lot of trivia and that's sort of my thing. So, you know, the, most of the stuff is pretty fresh in my head. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, for, uh, millionaire, I just tried not to get starstruck by Catherine, who was who fantastic, by the way, I should say, uh, she's, uh, uh, every bit as charming and wonderful as I expected. Um, quickly, I just want to interject before we move to more sports stuff. Do you have an opinion on cash cab? Does that feel like the minor leagues to you? Like, what do you think <laughs> about cash cab? I love Cash Cab. I, it's mm. a brilliant concept, and uh, I, I just wish it had uh, gotten you know a bigger run on something bigger than basic cable because right. uh, it's it's a fantastic concept. And uh, you know what? If actually, if they, I'd love to like drive the cab if they ever bring that back. That'd be great. So I actually have another trivia question. Not a trivia, Jeopardy question. <laughs> before we get, I'm not like trying to quiz you. Um, how so you say you play a lot of trivia is there another like a way that you prepare for jeopardy because like you said millionaire is hard my mom was on who wants to be a millionaire and did not prepare so like how do you prepare for jeopardy as compared to like other shows i guess well the biggest thing is well the, the two biggest things is just being you know sort of curious uh generally and you know i read a lot and watch a lot of documentaries um so uh you know i'm kind of just naturally inclined that way which helps but there's, especially for Jeopardy, there's um, there's sort of a canon of stuff that comes up all the time, like presidents, world capitals, Shakespeare. So uh, if I if I know I'm going to be on Jeopardy, I have a bunch of flashcards I made like 15 years ago that uh, I only occasionally have to update for you know new countries and stuff like that for for the capitals. But uh, yeah, if you can have all that stuff uh, fresh in your mind, that really helps. And uh, I can't really say that anything I've ever studied has come up that I wouldn't have known otherwise, but it's a big like psychological advantage to know that, okay, I like, here's stuff that comes up all the time and I have it, you know, down. So if it does come up, it'll be there. Um, so it, it really helps a lot with with your confidence going in. All right. So now we'll get into some Philly sports questions. Um, we just want to know like about, tell us about your Philly sports fandom. Like who were your favorite athletes growing up? um just any musings on philly sports well so i i grew up in lancaster which is you know an hour and a half west of philly so uh my uh my dad was a big uh eagles fan and phillies fan uh so i think he probably got me started so i've been rooting for philly sports i guess ever since i can remember um and i i think actually the first uh the first sporting event i ever went to and i'm gonna age myself here 
was uh, when I was a little kid, we went to see the Sixers play the Bucks. And uh, I think Sidney Moncrief was playing for the Bucks back then. And it was, you know, the, it's still Moses and Dr. J for the Sixers. So, uh, you know, I, I'm an old man, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was the, that's my first uh, in-person memory. Um, and yeah, so, I, and then I just, uh, you know, I, I ended up uh, get, being into sports and obviously uh, rooting for the local teams. And uh, I think what I really started to get, really started to get into it was the Buddy, era, the Buddy Ryan era with the Eagles. Uh, you know, I was maybe like 10, 12 years old, and that was such a fun team to root for as a kid. Um, thinking specifically about the Sixers, is there a current or former Sixer that you think would fare especially well as a contestant on Jeopardy? Iverson, for sure. Like, yeah, he's got that, uh, that underdog, you know, uh, never give up mentality, you know, the quote unquote, six foot tall guy, even though he's probably more like 5'10", 5 5'11", 5 uh, going up against those monsters in the paint, and, you know, just putting it all on the line. It's like, it's that competitive spirit that uh, separates the decent players from the real greats. Like that. Yeah. So do you have any takes i know you said you don't you're not following the sixers super close right now but any takes on the state of philly sports in general whether it's the eagles taking a quarterback in this draft or their new coach or anything uh well you know it, it's funny like uh right after the super bowl it felt like everything was on the upswing right uh, yep. You know, the Eagles had just won the Super Bowl. You know, uh, the Phillies were well, I guess the Phillies weren't doing that well then. So they were sort of sort of at the bottom. But, you know, the Sixers were coming out of the process. The Flyers looked like they had, you know, a good young core of talent. And, uh, you know, hey, the Sixers are making it happen. But like what happened to the other teams? And I guess the Phillies are doing pretty well, too. But just seeing uh the the Eagles and Flyers just collapsed this year. Uh, it's pretty pretty disheartening. So, you know, I guess we should have known better as Philly fans than to ever have any hope. <laughs> yeah, never never get our hopes up. I mean, we should know by now. Yeah. What were you What were you thinking back during the process? I know we were all big you know big fans of like trying something new. You know, just you know go for it. And everyone was mad about it, but we we liked it. We we had fun watching them lose. You know, we loved the players rotating in and out. What were your thoughts at the time? Yeah, well, uh, just coming off making fun of myself for being old, that's uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm not an old man about was, yeah, I was on board with it too. You know, you, you <laughs> love it. Um, you, it, it just, it just makes too much sense to which the way the NBA is set up is you, you need the, you know, those two or three superstars and the, really the only right. way to get them is through the draft. So, you know, you basically just have to run non-competitive teams out there until you get enough players to actually be competitive. And, uh, the worst place to be is where the Sixers were before that is being the seven or eight seed. And, you know, you, you'll never get any better and you never, uh, have any chance to contend. So, uh, it all made a ton of sense to me, but yeah, I, uh, a part of me though, I am old enough where I kind of see where the old school guys are coming from, where it's just like, Oh, you know, like, uh, you're teaching these guys to lose and stuff like this. I, <laughs> I kind of get that a little bit, but I mean, what else are you supposed to do with the way the league is set up? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I was wondering as a champion yourself, the Sixers are first in the East pursuing a championship, their first championship. Uh, since 1983 as a former champion and an always champion do you have advice for the Sixers as to how to like get this ring what do you think 
I think they, you know, uh, I think one, they, I think they already know this kind of, uh, and to an extent that you wouldn't expect for a team that hasn't won it yet. But uh, like, especially this year with Doc, they seem really uh, like just taking it one game at a time. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing is like, don't uh, don't get too distracted by the larger picture. You know, just focus on what's in front of you. And that's one thing that uh, has always served me well in Jeopardy is you just can't pay attention to everything that's going on around you. It's just one clue at a, at a time that comes up. And if you can just push everything else out of your mind and then just focus on the next clue, that's that's I think that's good advice, you know for anything is just focus on what's directly in front of you. It's the only thing you have any control over. And uh, so far, it seems like uh, I think they're they're They have that mindset uh, this year. Um, as a Philly guy, was it killing you when you saw that viral question about Joel Embiid and what his nickname is? And, <laughs> and the person said do a 180. Like, was that killing you to not have been the recipient of that question? <gasps> Yeah, although, um, you know, it's, it's, it's also fun to, um, you know, Jeopardy contestants usually do pretty well on sports, which is why it's so fun to see when they happen to have a panel of three people who know nothing at all. Like, yeah. uh, I, I remember that one uh, viral thing about the football category yeah. where, <laughs> where <laughs> the contestants just had no idea and Alex was just flabbergasted. <laughs> right. That's really entertaining. Although, yeah, it, it is like, oh, I couldn't have had that one. I couldn't have got the MB question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I definitely have to say, like, I, I agree with your, you know, kind of one one game at a time take. And I, I haven't quite put it into those words, but but watching, I want to say specifically Joel this year. And you know, we talked about earlier that, you know, he was on the low post and he was talking about how he's having more fun this year. He's had a different mindset. And I think, in the past, you know, if you looked at what, you know, I guess like the old guys were saying, you know, in the, in the language we were just using, um, they were like, oh, he's, you know, he celebrates too much, this and that. They, but he's not even like, he, you know, he'll celebrate once in a while, but he's like, even when he does, he looks so focused. And I can't really describe it, but like, he always has this look in his eyes, like he's going to the foul line for like the 18th time. And he's just like, keep giving it to me. I'm going to keep scoring. He hasn't, you know, there, there are guys who will, you know, get hot and they're you know we've we talked about it with Ben a little bit where it's like you know Ben sometimes is more aggressive than others and it's visible and with Joel he very rarely has a quarter where he's not scoring like at least you know six points if he's if he's in there and getting the ball so um I definitely I definitely agree with that um Brad I, I have to be, admit that I have not seen the chase because I haven't been home I've been at school and I don't really watch tv at school but could you tell us about it? You're hosting the chase. I know it's a trivia show and I know it's, it's there's more episodes coming soon, I believe. So um, could you let us know about the chase? And this summer, I'm definitely planning on watching. Great. It's on Hulu if you want to check out season one. So, oh, I like uh, Hulu. Great. Yeah. So uh, feel free to check us out there. And yeah, we're coming back for season two uh, on Sunday, June 6th, uh, moving from Thursdays to Sundays. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, so basically the chase is a, uh, it's an import of a British format where uh, they, we, the concept is we take uh, average Joe trivia players and put them up against the Jeopardy goats. So uh, the, the, there's a team of three contestants and uh, they go through a, a cash builder round where they answer a bunch of rapid fire trivia questions to build up a bank that they'll then play for against mm-hmm. uh, one, e- either me or Ken or James. Um, 
And then uh, we have the chance to chase them in the second round of multiple choice questions. And so if they manage to get through that, they get through to the final chase. So uh, either, you know, any number of the three contestants can get through to that. And uh, then the big finale is uh, another rapid fire round where they uh, answer a set of questions, get to a number of questions, and then uh, they ask one of us uh, a different set of questions to see if we can catch them that way. So uh, one of the things that's, that's really cool about it is that we've been talking about Jeopardy and Millionaire. And it's sort of the best of both worlds. You know, Jeopardy, you get 61 questions every night and uh, it, it, it comes fast and furious. And then Millionaire, you have the very dramatic single question where, you know, you, you, you're waiting to see what happens. And uh, with the individual chase rounds, we have that too. So it's, it's the best of both worlds. And uh, I'm glad people have uh, seemed to like it. And, uh, and we're back for a new season. It's been, it's been a ton of fun. Oh, and another cool thing uh, that they actually don't do on the British version is that uh, the, the two chasers who aren't playing that night uh, are sitting back in the green room sort of cracking wise about the proceedings that are going on, uh, which was also a lot of fun to do and I think comes across really well on TV. So yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to, sorry, Brad, I was going to ask about that because that was my favorite part to be like, oh, you guys, like you and James are in the green room and you're like, of course, Ken is going to get this question or like when he gets one wrong, you're like, I can't believe you didn't know that. It was so funny <laughs> and I really love that part about it. Yeah, like, so uh, I've known Ken for 15 years, so so we're friends, and then I've gotten to know James pretty well over the past couple of years, so it's it's nice. We got a, a nice little friendly competitiveness going on. Uh, we like to, you know, bust each other's chops, so uh, that's a, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I think we came up with some pretty funny stuff back there, which uh, is also nice. Um, as a... Uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, you mentioned that you've gotten to know, you've gotten to know James over the last, I guess, couple of years now. Um, and he's a big sports guy. He was before Jeopardy was a, was, I don't, maybe he still is. He was a sports better, I believe. So yeah, he guys, still is. You guys talk about that kind of stuff and, and, you know, about the Philly teams and, and, and I guess just in general, is that a big topic when you're, when you're back there with, with, with those guys? Yeah, especially with James, like that sports is pretty much mostly what we talk about. And uh, yeah, he's he's a big uh, he's from Chicago originally. So he's a big Bears fan. So like we sort of commiserate about like, yeah. oh, God, what's going on with our teams? <laughs> yeah, my roommate's a Bears fan and we do that, too. So I can relate to that. <laughs> um, Brad, I'm wondering, have they come to you, the, the powers that be in the reality space, have they come to you about getting you into one of the other reality shows like where it's a bunch of people in a house i'm thinking a floribama shore and are you the one like <laughs> and how receptive would you be to that sort of proposition uh my my cousin's wives actually are trying to get me on the bachelor which uh come on that's, that's <laughs> we all love the bachelor we need we're that. here for that like they're obsessed with it. Like uh, they, they, they're, they talk about it all the time. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely consider that if, uh, if that came across, I'm probably way too old actually, but uh, oh, you know, never. yeah. So uh, we'll do, yeah. The, the middle-aged bachelor, it'll be like a new departure for the show, but uh, yeah, I, I would certainly listen. <laughs> you would do so well on, I, I always think that, you know, on, on the bachelor and bachelorette, so few of them talk like real people and, and seem like they have even a shred of a sense of humor. So I think that you would be a real breath of fresh air on there. Well, yeah, I, I thank you for that, but I suspect that I might be there for the wrong reasons. So mm. uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. 
Um, yeah, do you guys have anything else for Brad before we let you get out of here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Brad, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot to us that you were able to spend this time with us and you know the fans of the podcast will be very happy to hear from you and uh, let us know if there's anything else that you'd like us to get out there for you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. Chase comes back, uh, Saturday, Sunday, June 6th, uh, on ABC, uh, nine, eight central, check it out. And, uh, oh, I'm trying to get more followers on Instagram. So, uh, it's Brad Rutter official. Uh, if you, okay, if great. you care to check it out. All right. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much we'll for doing this. Brad. Followers right here. You got Bingo. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. It was fun. Thanks Thank so much, you, Brad. Brad. Have a good one. You too. So the only thing left for us here on this podcast is to update the standings in terms of our predictions. And uh, Emily is taking notes about them. I can see it, which is great. Um, uh, and uh, we're going to predict the week, the week's game. So uh, Emily, first of all, you can go ahead and update with where we're at right now. Huh. <laughs> so you guys went three and oh this week i went two and one you your strategy too I, well it was the wrong strategy <laughs> and now i dan is in the lead 39 and 21 i'm in second at 38 and 22 and steve you're doing well at 34 and 26 well over 500 you've really mm -hmm. made a comeback here mm -hmm. um the problem is is that i've made it known that i'm going back to my old strategy and dan has said <laughs> He is also going to adopt my strategy, in which case he's going to beat me by one. So there's nothing Dan can just done. Dan can just play prevent defense right here and, and never get caught, you know? Well, that's yeah. the advantage um, of the lead position. Like when Emily was killing me and she was picking the Sixers to win every game every week, I was like, I have to pick them to lose one or else I'm going to stay the no. same on them. That's, that's how like I, like I lucked into the, like the Pelicans beat the Sixers and I somehow got that right because like I have to pick one. Yeah. Uh, All right. So on to this week. This will be the uh, the second leg of this sort of uh, um, seven game stretch, which we were talking about before it started. Uh, the Sixers play at home against Golden State and then they play at home against Phoenix. And then that goes into a back to back. It's Phoenix one night and then at Milwaukee the next night. Again, the NBA just has no rhyme or reason for why two games are back to back. I don't understand. And then it's a series in Milwaukee. So it is they play. Uh, Thursday in Milwaukee, and then they play Saturday in Milwaukee. So Golden State, Phoenix at home, then the back-to-back -back Milwaukee, and then at Milwaukee. Uh, Dan, what do you think is going to happen this week with the Sixers? Well, here's what I'll say. I'm not going to pick them to win every game. Mm -hmm. I think this is a tough stretch. We're playing some really good teams. And I want to, I want to, I want to follow my head here. So I'm going to say they win Monday at home against Golden State. Mm -hmm. That game's on ESPN. Of course, I've been home from school the last two weeks. I'm going back soon. Of course, while I'm home, all the games are nationally televised. Which makes <laughs> it, when, when I'm at school, much easier to watch. Right. Um, I think so. We win Monday. Wednesday, we play the Suns. Uh, one's NBA TV. We're at home. I think we lose that game. I, I worry that the Sixers might have someone sitting out. Um, and the Suns have been so consistent. They haven't been losing basically at all, although they, they kind of got killed by the Spurs last night. But besides mm -hmm. that, they've been playing basically perfect basketball. Um, I'm going to say that the Sixers also lose to the Bucs in the second half of the back-to-back. -back. 
um, and then beat the Bucks um, when they play Saturday. So win, loss, loss, win. I have them two and two this week. Wow. Um, they, wait, they lose the second half of the back-to-back or win the second half of the back They lose both halves of the back-to-back and win the other two games. Okay. I got you. I All think right. that's just a brutal back-to-back. It is a brutal back-to-back. So I'm going to say Sixers beat Golden State. Sixers beat Phoenix, which would be a tough game, but Sixers are so good at home. And then one or two guys rest at Milwaukee in that first game which is the second half of that back-to-back. They lose that Milwaukee game. And then on the last day of this uh, sort of stretch, they beat Milwaukee. So I have a three-in-one week for the Sixers with that one loss being the first Milwaukee game. Emily, uh, there's a tactical part of this where you want to catch Dan. uh, So I doubt you're going to predict exactly what he did. So what are you going with? I won't. And I could go back to my strategy and – get games up on Dan this week, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I gotta, I gotta make moves. Like Brad said, we play to win. I can't just play for a second. That's not what we're about here. Um, so, but I'm going to go with the Sixers are going to be golden state. Steph is good, but no one else on that team is. So i um, going to pick that Phoenix. Phoenix is good. I'm going to go. We win against Phoenix because they're at home and Dan picked Phoenix to win the back to the Milwaukee games. Mm. I'm going to say that they win the first one, lose the second one. Wow. So we have three games different this week. Wow. Yeah. So I have them going three and one. They win the first three games to like really have a really nice little win streak going and then they're going to lose the second Milwaukee game. Okay. I'm looking at it. I don't feel great about it, but that's what I've said. This is a pivotal week in the standings. Um, It's a big week. I sort of feel like I've been forgotten in the standings. I don't think that we're really focusing much on that, but that's okay. I mean, flying under the radar. How far back are you, Steve? He's only four games back from me. There's time. There's plenty of time, yeah. Come on, don't count me out. Um, we have to thank Brad very much again for, for coming on and watch the chase and follow him on Instagram, all of that stuff. Uh, Brad was great and it was very cool to have him on. There's like a weird overlap between, not weird, but like an interesting overlap between like Sixers Twitter and Jeopardy Twitter. I think there's a lot of like Ooh. overlap in the Venn diagram of it. So I think people are really going to be excited to hear from Brad. Yeah, Brad was great. Um, yeah. And so, of course, this week we will have another locker room for you, um, as we do every week. But also then next Sunday, we are going to have a special guest, former Liberty Baller, Brandon Lee Gowden, who uh, is, is, is the head of Bleeding Green Nation, um, Giant Eagles guy. This will be that'll be our last uh, Gastro Blues before the Eagles draft. So uh, we'll get lots of Sixers and Eagles stuff from Brandon and, and uh, very excited to have him on. Anything else, guys, before we get out of here? Nothing for me. That was, a, you know, just an excellent podcast we just did. I have to say. Excellent. Let's Another go. perfect Good podcast. Stuff. Look we, at us go. We, that's what we do. <laughs> Look at us. Um, great seeing you both. Um, and uh, have a great day. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, later in the week. See ya. See ya. Bye.
like you